Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week, and uh, I, I really trust that you are following us every week as we are sharing, I believe, a very, very important series from the book of Ezra's Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah. We're talking about the books of restoration. The Lord began to stir me a number of weeks ago about a roadmap to Reformation, and I believe in the greatest time that we are living in, there are many parallels that we can draw from this of patterns of restoration, patterns of what it takes to fall away, and patterns of what it takes to be restored. And we've been using Ezra and Nehemiah as the pattern for that. We've showed you how that they were in Babylonian captivity, and God had called men like Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city of God. And uh, what I showed you in the last several weeks is that we are leaving Babylonian captivity again, but it began in the first century. And what I showed you in the last two segments was that Old Covenant Israel, Old Covenant Jerusalem, the Scripture calls Mystery Babylon the mother of harlots. And I showed you many, many proofs over the last two programs. If you missed them, go back and watch it on my YouTube channel or listen to it on our iTunes podcast or the RSS feed that's in our easiest way to do that is follow my website and you can find the links there. You can watch it again, pause it, do study. But I think I gave a pretty convincing argument that the harlot and great Babylon was Old Covenant Israel and Old Covenant, uh, uh, the Old Covenant Jerusalem. It's a tale of two cities. One city was about to be burnt with fire and collapsed, much like it was under the Babylonian rule under Nebuchadnezzar. Ezra and Nehemiah are giving a road map, first of all, to how not to do that again and return back to Babylonian captivity. But they're given a road map to restoration and reformation. And I begin to draw some parallels how that these, this road map to reformation is bringing us back into new covenant realities. And, uh, you know, uh, I started last week by uh, talking about the book of Haggai. I, I think. Uh, I'm going to go through Haggai and Zechariah a little bit today because these guys were contemporaries. Haggai and Zechariah were contemporaries with Ezra and Nehemiah. They worked with helping them to encourage the people to begin to build. And I believe I heard the Lord say, you just have to judge for yourself, but I believe I heard the Lord say to me, Arise, let us build. And, uh, you know, uh, what, when I hear the Lord say, Arise, let us build, I'm not thinking about physical buildings. I'm thinking about building up a holy habitation of God, a people of God that are built out of lively stones. We are restoring the temple, which is not a place in the New Covenant. It's a people. I think I've made that abundantly clear in some of our last segments. And the new temple of God is you. What Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God moves out of the old temple into the new temple. You know, I was thinking the other day, as you know, when God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus, or John's Gospel starts with, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it goes on to talk about that, that he, he, the Word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. God pitched His tent among us. I look back at the first creation and see that heaven and earth were God's temple. It was God's sanctuary. And just like every temple of the Scriptures, or any even heathen gods would put the image of their God in that temple. 
So what God did in the first creation was put His image in Adam, and Adam was God's image in the earth, and the glory of the Lord was in the earth. In the New Temple, when you find John's Gospel, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But God said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And God put His tabernacle right in the midst, put His image right back in the new creation, because the new creation was God's temple again. Then Jesus comes into chapter 2 of John's Gospel and begins to say to them, listen, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it back again. And He's trying to shift their thinking from a natural building to a spiritual house, because this temple was God's building, and in the new creation God was going to put His image and fill the earth with His glory once again, as we would be image bearers in the earth, because we're called not just to go to heaven, but we're called to be the express image of His person, to, in, to put in the earth God's reflection that's in the heavens. There are prophets and apostles that came along, or prophets, especially in the Old Testament, like Haggai, who encouraged the people to build the temple. And I'm going to pick up some of this today and see if I can kind of uh, springboard a little bit off of where I was at last week. It says, On the first day of the sixth month of the second year in the reign of King Darius of Persia, God's message was delivered by the prophet Haggai to the governor of Judah, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatal, and to the high priest Joshua, son of Josedek. If you go back and you read Ezra and Nehemiah, these are guys that are working with them in the rebuilding. A message from God of the angel armies. The people procrastinate. They say, it isn't time to rebuild my temple, the temple of God. Shortly after that, God said more, and Haggai spoke it. How is it that it's the right time for you to live in your fine new homes while the home of God's temple is in ruins. I really believe that God is challenging His people in this hour to get up from the sense of being lazy and drawn back and being focused on me, mine, and my own stuff. We've been so distracted by everything that the world has to offer that even in the midst of this pandemic, I think we had an opportunity to pump the brakes and say, let's look around and see what's important. And in this time, I've heard the Lord say to me, it's time to arise and build. We need to build people. We need to get, like Ezra, restore the synagogue, the teaching centers where we get people back to the Word of God, where we can restore the joy. They did that in the seventh month, the 21st day of the month, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is an incredible feast of joy. I don't want to get into the Feast of Tabernacles in this segment. But God said, to how is it the right time that you can build your own house, but you can't build God a house? And then later on, God to the angel army spoke out again. Take a good look at your life. Think it over. You've spent a lot of money, but you haven't much to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled up. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're still thirsty. You put on layer after layer of clothes, but you can't get warm. And the people who work for you, what are they getting out of it? Not much. A leaky, rusted out bucket. That's what. In other words, that so speaks to me of the emptiness that is on people that seem to have everything in the world right now. I think sometimes the blessing has been so powerful that it has stolen our heart. And much like God told the children of Israel when they went into the promised land, He said, when you have lived in houses you didn't build, and you've eaten from vineyards you did not plant, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God who did it. Now I'm not saying that God has left us, but I am saying sometimes I think we've left Him. People say, well, I think God's out to destroy America. No, I don't think God's out to destroy America. I think Americans are out to destroy America. I think God's out to save it. 
And I believe as we leave it right now in this season, it is important, even as this next election comes up, it is important for believers everywhere to go vote. Vote your conscience. I'm not going to endorse a candidate. I am going to tell you, though, to vote the issues, because I believe God is calling us back to restore and to build. And I believe it's time that we get back to some of the, uh, some of the, the mile markers and the things that are important in our lives, and it's not the substances and the things that we have or all the time that we waste doing stuff that's frivolous, but to build our families, to build our homes, to build ourselves, to build the church, to build the local body of Christ. And he says, take a good hard look at all the natural life. Think of it. Think, up, think it over. Then God said, here's what I want you to do. Climb into the hills and cut some timber. Bring it down and rebuild the temple. Do it just for me. I believe that we are like the righteous, are like cedars in Lebanon. That's the trees God is building this house from. He said, you've had great ambitions for yourself, but nothing's come of it. The little you have brought to my temple, I've blown away. There's not, there was nothing to it. And why? And why? And this was a message from God of the angel armies. Remember, because while you run around caught up with taking care of your own houses, my home is in ruins. That's why, because of your stinginess. I really think God wants to restore a, a generous heart to His people. Now listen, I'm a grace preacher. I don't believe you're under a curse if you don't give. But I can tell you right now that when they came back up with Ezra and Nehemiah, the people had a mind to work and they gave willingly free will offerings and there was a joy that was restored back to giving. I think it's time to get behind ministries that you really see. What you don't support goes away. I don't care if it's good or evil. If you don't like the evil that's going on in the world, don't support it. If you like the good that's on, going on in the world, support it. If you like ministries, don't just sit there and watch them. We, you know, we've, we've reached thousands. I'm not trying to be critical here today, but we've reached thousands and literally millions of people through these cameras and even through Facebook Lives and video uh, Zoom things that we've done on Facebook, and we've made it available for people to give. And you know what? Sometimes we've had thousands of viewers and maybe $65 come in as an offering. I think it's time to give if you've been fed. I think it's time to get behind the ministries that are important to you. I think right now is one of the toughest times the church has ever walked through and struggling with that, not being able to be open and people to be able to give. Don't forget your local churches. Don't forget your ministries. Don't forget good causes. Give to them. I'm not saying that to be critical today. I'm just saying, listen, it's time to wake up and be responsible and quit shirking your responsibilities and live in your own sealed houses and God's house lies waste. He's talking about your stinginess. And he said, here's what happened. He said, he said, my home is in ruins. That's why, because of your stinginess. That ain't me. That's God talking through Haggai. He said, so I've given you a dry summer and a skimpy crop. I've matched your tight-fisted stinginess by decreeing a season of drought, drying up fields and hills, withering gardens and orchards, stunning vegetables and fruit. Nothing, not of man, woman, not animal or crop is going to thrive. Then the governor Zerubbabel, son of Sheatal, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, and all the people with him listened. They really listened, and they began to repent. Now let me say this to you. I don't believe that we're living in a season where God is putting a curse on us. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying our dryness now in the new covenant is because we fail to draw from the source of living water, which is Christ. And because we, when we withdraw from Him, I mean, God, God is not going to force you and what happens is that there's leanness that comes to our souls because we just disengage from the voice of the Lord. But God is calling His servants back. He said, I'm with you. Then Haggai, God's messenger, preached to the people, I'm God. I'm with you. I'm, I, I'm with you. It's time to return and build. 
This is how God got Zerubbabel and Joshua and all the people moving, got them working on the temple of the angel armies of God. And this happened in the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. And he goes on to say, on the 20th day of the seventh month, second chapter, that the word of God came through the prophet Haggai, tell governor Zerubbabel, son of Sheatal, the high priest Joshua, the son of Josedek, is there anyone who saw the temple of God the way it used to be in its former glory? And what do you see now? Not much, right? So get to work, Zerubbabel. God is speaking. Get to work, Joshua, son of Josedek. Get to work, all you people. God is speaking. I believe that the temple that God built, that we talked about, that was first century, when, when, when the new temple of God began to come on the scene. I'm not talking about buildings made with hands. I'm talking about the temple of God that we are. I'm talking about the city of God that was birthed in the first century. The new Jerusalem, which is the people, it's the bride, the Lamb's wife. I think that's an ongoing reality because that city is still coming down from God, out of heaven, from our God. I love how the Message Bible says, you've heard me quote this over and over, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The Message Bible says, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. He made His home in men. God's temple, God's city, God's bride is still coming down out of heaven. Somebody said to me, is Revelation 21 and 22 past, present, or future? My answer to that is yes. It is all of the above. It's an ongoing reality. But depending on what we do with it, the condition of the church and the condition of the tabernacle of God, and I am concerned that God is raising us up now as mouthpieces and as Ezra and Nehemiah and saying, it's time to get to work. It's time to go to work to build. It's time to arise and build. It's not time to play church. It's not time to sit in our sealed, sealed houses. He said, yes, get to work for I'm with you. Man, think about that. Hear this prophetically. I am excited to announce the release of my newest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. Every time He uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought that the bread that fell in the wilderness was the true bread, but Jesus says to them, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, but I am the true bread. They thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. As you read the pages of this book, you will truly discover the faith that replaces fear and that believing you will have life through His name. You will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. You will rediscover that He is the Great I Am. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today. Man, think about that. Hear this prophetically, pastor, prophet, teacher, whatever. Get to work, I'm with you, says God of the angel armies. Put into action the word I covenanted with you when you left Egypt. I'm living and breathing among you right now. Don't be timid, don't hold back. God has moved into the neighborhood and He's living and breathing. The vehicle of change is not the government. The vehicle of change is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and His new covenant community of faith. And this is what the God of the angel army said, Before you know it, I'll shake up the sky and the earth, oceans and fields, and I'll shake down all the godless nations. They'll bring bushels of wealth, and I will fill this temple with splendor. 
God of the angel armies says so. I own the silver. I own the gold. Decree of the God of the angel armies. I believe God is returning some influence back to the back to the church. You know, I believe that even during this time of pandemic, the fact that we were included even in some of the PPP payouts has brought some wealth back to the church. I believe it is God restoring the wealth back as we begin to arise and build this kingdom. He said, this temple is going to end up far better than it started out, a glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish, a place in which I will hand out wholeness, wholeness and holiness, declares the God of the angel armies. Hallelujah. The latter house will be greater than the former. And on the 24th day of the ninth month, again, this was the second year of Darius, God's message came to Haggai again. God of the angel army speaks, consult the priest for a ruling. If someone carries a piece of sacred meat in his pocket, meat that is set apart for sacrifice on the altar, and the pocket touches a loaf of bread or a dish or a stew, a bottle of wine or oil, or any other food, will these foods Will these foods be made holy by such contact? And the priest said, no. Then Haggai said, how about someone who is contaminated with a corpse? If the person touches one of those foods, will it be contaminated? The priest said, yes, it will be contaminated. I could say that and tie it back to saying, don't be in touch with a dead man. Don't be contaminated with the old man Adam. He's a dead man. Don't be contaminated with the old covenant. Don't be con- the old covenant was getting to the old man to get the old man to behave. The new covenant is written to the new covenant to develop and mature the new man. Then Haggai said to this people, is, this people is contaminated. Their nation is contaminated. Everything they do is contaminated. Whatever they do for me is contaminated. God says so. Think back before you set out to lay the first foundation stones for the rebuilding of my temple. How did it go with you? Isn't it true that your foot-dragging, half-hearted efforts at rebuilding the temple of God were reflected in a sluggish, halfway return on your crops? Half the grain you were used to, getting half the wine, it hit you with drought and blight and hail. Everything you were doing got hit, but it didn't seem to phase you. You continued to ignore me, says God. Now think ahead from this time, this date, this 24th day of the ninth month. Think ahead from when the temple rebuilding was launched. Has anything in your fields, vine, fig tree, pomegranate, olive tree, failed to flourish? From now on, you can count on a blessing. I believe as we turn this thing around, God is going to bless us with an incredible amount. You're going to see the favor of God like you've never seen before. I really believe as we put God first and begin, this is a new covenant concept. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. All these things are added to you. God will begin to cause us to flourish and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. Zechariah prophesies if they won't come up from year to year to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, there won't be any rain on that nation. I believe people are returning. God's message came a second time to Haggai on the most memorable day, the 24th day of the ninth month. He said, I'm about to shake up everything, turn everything upside down, and start over from top to bottom, overthrow governments, destroy foreign powers, dismantle the world of weapons and armaments, throw armies into confusion so that they end up killing one another. And on that day, says God, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Sheetal, and the personal servant, I will set you as a signet ring, a sign of my sovereign presence and authority. And I've looked over the field and chosen you for this work says God of the angel armies. I'm telling you, I believe that what happens is, is that God begins to move and begins to bring restoration in the midst of this. And then I want to run over, and I, there's so many things I could say, but I, I want to go over into the book of Zechariah and show you how that Zechariah is also talking about this season of uh, 
of return. He, he, uh, Zechariah, uh, this is uh, chapter 2, uh, and it's talking about the man with the measuring tape, and he's talking about measuring Jerusalem. But verse 6, and this is the message Bible, he says, up on your feet, get out of there. And now, God says so, return from your exile. I scattered you to the four winds, says God. Escape from Babylon, Zion, and come home now. I believe that's a word of the Lord today. I think He's saying it's time to come home now. Escape the Babylonian religious confusion and come on home now. God of the angel armies, the one of glory who sent me on a mission commenting on the godless nations who stripped you and left you homeless, said anyone who hits you hits me. Bloodies my nose, blackens my eye. Yes, at that time I will give the signal and they'll be stripped down and thrown out by their own servants. Then you'll know for sure that God of the angel army sent me on this mission. Shout and celebrate, daughter of Zion. I'm on my way. I'm moving into your neighborhood, says God. God moves into the neighborhood when you rebuild this temple. Can you see the parallels? I get excited about this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, there, let me just go on over here. There's... Uh, let, let me just, I'm going to read a couple of places in here because it starts to step out of this. He talks about, he, he talks about in chapter 4, he said that, uh, who, who is it that stands before you, O great mountain? And he said, you're going to be cast into the sea when they shout grace, grace to it. So the message of grace, let me, let me get this because we may not get finished in this segment. It says, the messenger angel said, can't you tell... He's talking about them, the two candlesticks and the two lampstands. And he says this, the messenger, this is Zechariah 4, the messenger angel again called to me attention, called, called me to attention. It was like being wakened out of a deep sleep. He said, what do you see? And I answered, I see a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top, seven lamps, each with seven spouts are set on the bowl. There are two olive trees, one on either side. Then I asked the messenger angel, what does this mean, sir? And the messenger angel said, can't you tell? I said, no, sir. I said, then he said, this is God's message to Zerubbabel. You can't force things. They only come about through my spirit. King James says it like this, it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, this return from Babylonian captivity is a return from a works-based, man-centered confusion of religion that takes you back up under the law and says to you, it's not by might nor is it by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And he goes on to say, they only come through my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So big mountain, who do you think you are next to Zerubbabel? You're nothing but a molehill. He'll proceed to set the cornerstone in place. I believe that cornerstone was chief cornerstone named Jesus. And it will be accompanied by cheers saying, yes, yes, do it. Well, literally, he says in King James, it'll be accompanied by saying, grace, grace. Oh, I, I tell you, I just get so blessed because I, he said, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And uh, it's grace on top of grace is what the prophet or what John, the, uh, the apostle John said. It's grace upon grace. Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And grace, shouting grace, grace. Listen, the message that's going to bring restoration. See, people have been disenfranchised and left the house of God because of the Babylonian confusion that has merchandised 
and sold the souls of men much like we saw in the book of Revelation and taken advantage of God's people and polluted the sanctuary with all kinds of corruptness. But there's a return. God is returning, I believe, integrity back to His pulpits. He's returning holiness and wholeness back, just like the prophets prophesied. He's returning a message that's not one of fear and God is angry with you, but a message of return to me, return to me, come back home. And he's going to be accompanied by cheers of grace upon grace. It's going to be returned by the message of grace. I don't think it's an accident that when they came back in Ezra chapter 3 that the singers and the worshipers begin to sing, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. There's a cheap cornerstone that's being sung again, that's being set. And he goes on to say, after that the Word of God came to me, Zerubbabel, start building this temple. Start building this temple and He will complete it. That will be your confirmation that God of the angel army sent me to, to you. Does anyone dare despise this day of small beginnings? They'll change their tune when they see Zerubbabel setting the last stone in place, going back to the vision, the messenger angel, seven lamps are, are the eyes of God probing the dark corners of the searchlights. God is turning His light on in this hour, and I believe there's a lot of stuff being uncovered even in our nation as the candlestick and the light is beginning to come, and people are running for their lives to get away from the darkness of the lies. But He talks about it in another place, return to me, return to me, you prisoners of hope. I don't know about you, but I'm a prisoner of hope today. I've got a real heart to believe God is going to do some things that's powerful. That He's going to return, and He's going to return to us prisoners of hope. And a fresh hope is going to begin to arise in the earth. I believe we've been in a season when a lot of stuff has been turned upside down. It seems to me like we have stood in a season where what's good is called evil, and what's evil is called good. You can't hardly trust your politicians, you can't trust your news media, you can't hardly trust your preachers, but God is turning things around. Return to me, you prisoners of hope, is what He declares in the book of Zechariah. Return to me, I'm, I'm a prisoner of hope. I cannot help but to be optimistic because I believe the future of our children and of our grandchildren are going to follow upon the heels of what we do in this hour that we're living in. Won't you arise with me and build? Won't we put the house of God first? Won't we put the message of grace on our lips? Why don't we start declaring, it's not by your might or by your power, it's by your Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Why don't we return even in our music to the singers like Ezra and Nehemiah did, saying, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And it may seem like the day of small beginnings. Sometimes I feel like another voice in the pile because I'm preaching something positive and it's amazing to me that people get mad at you for telling them good news like they did Joshua and Caleb. They get mad at you over the good news instead of the bad news. But bad news sells. But I refuse to do it because I'm a prisoner of hope. I hope you are too. If you'd like to join us in this building process, let me just ask, we're running out of time, so let me just ask you to take a moment to call the number that's on that screen.
and give an offering as generous as you can, or go to our website. It's that easy. Just go to our website and you can give via credit card or PayPal. Uh, take your credit card there as well. You can set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner. You can also write to the address that will come on the screen and write your checks to Lynn House Ministries and you will receive a tax deduction for it. We do need your help. Join us in this building. God bless you. Till next week. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.